Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. Here's my co-host, Coach Dean Manchi. Coach, how are we doing? It's December over there in Maker Nation. What do we got going on? What's going on? Give us, give our, give our fans a little lowdown here. Yeah, it's hard to believe, you know, we're in December already, and then you get uh, Christmas break coming up here, and then, you know, about the end of January is the end of uh, halfway of the school year already, so it's just flying by, and I love the winter, Brian. It's a, it's an unbelievable time for athletes to make incredible progress in the weight room if, if they're not out for a fall sport, and those people that are out, I mean, a winter sport, and those people that are out for a winter sport hey, you really got to make sure you're taking care of your bodies because the winter sports are the longest season in high school, at least in the state we're in, which is Wisconsin. So athletes, make sure you're getting that sleep. Make sure you're taking care of that body. It's so very important to reduce your chance of injury and obviously to get yourself healthy throughout the whole winter season. We always say, you know, your health is your wealth and, you know, your best ability is your availability. So I think a lot of times with the phone, and, you know, when it gets into the winter situation is kids really don't get that sleep. And we always talk about it constantly. You're seeing all this stuff out on social media. But really, you know, under eight hours of sleep, we always say you're 1.7 times more likely to get hurt. So talk about injury prevention. That has got to be number one athletes out there. Parents, encourage your kids getting that sleep. If they're on their phone at midnight, you know, that's not going to do it. We um. I was really fortunate, Dean. Yesterday, I uh, got a chance to go up to De Pere High School uh, up by up by you. We do consulting for De Pere and various other schools across our state. And one of the things that we do as part of our consulting is we go and speak and educate the coaches on not only conjugate method and how we do things, but we try and educate on a lot of the other things that go into it. And they're very fortunate. Um, I want to give it, uh, Lindsay a, a quick shoot out. Lindsay is their their nutritionist that they have there. So they did a, she did a little presentation as well on nutrition and sleep and a lot of great factors in there. And, and, you know, when you start to think about it, everything plays together, right? What we do in the weight room, what the kids put into their bodies, um, how much they're sleeping, all that stuff impacts performance. And so, you know, you can't out train a poor diet and you can't out train the lack of sleep. There, there's no doubt about that. Um, want to give a couple quick shout outs, Dino. Um, the first one is to our guy, Coach Herbs. Uh, Big Ten champs at Michigan. Uh, another great job, back-to-back years. He's done that, uh, or he's been a part of that. I shouldn't say he he's done that, but he's been a part of that, and that program is is on a roll. And I don't know, Dino. What do you what do you think? Who's gonna be who's gonna be the four in? Who do you think? Who, give us the gurus the the gurus four picks right now. If you could be the the committee, who would you pick to be in there? Boy, I don't know. I'm just I don't want is Michigan. I'm just rooting for Michigan because Coach Herbert. As, as you worked with him numerous years and, and obviously we're friends with him. And I was watching that game last night. And it was, it was great to hear. He got a couple of shout outs there mm-hmm. from the, the announcers and all that, but I, I just love the physical play. It's why I've always loved big 10 football. So Michigan is, is the team I want. Obviously I was rooting really hard for them last night and Purdue boy, what the improvements that that program has made and, and coach Brom and everything that they've done. So it's just awesome. And, you know, the changes that the, the big 10 is, is doing right now to make it even bigger. And then obviously with Wisconsin coach fickle coming in and then, you know, Jim Leonard, who I know, you know, real well, you know, what an incredible situation for Badger fans, for Badger athletes, for the whole community of, you know, Wisconsin to have Jim 
continue to stay on that staff as well. So I'm super excited to see where this program grows, goes and uh, just having that kind of quality people. If you're a recruit out there and you are not checking out Wisconsin, you need to, because I think huge things are going to happen at right. University of Wisconsin-Madison. Dog, you didn't answer my question. I dodged your question. We, we, we got a Q&A coming up today, so I can't have you dodging questions here. We got some tough questions from our listeners. I will put my four in and, and put that out there. I'm okay with doing that. I think it's going to be Georgia number one. I think there's no doubt that that they're going to be number one. I think they've been number one all year. Definitely feel Michigan is number two. I think TCU gets in. Um, even even with the the tough loss yesterday, I think they played a really high quality game. I think they you know they came back. They, the game was close uh, with a one loss, and I definitely think Ohio State makes it in now. I think the real unique thing is where does that three, four lie? Um, do, does the committee shift it? So that we don't see Michigan, Ohio state again, or do you think we, you know, do we see that game again as if Ohio state jumps TCU, um, that ticket's going to be really hard to get that, that Michigan, Ohio state, if they play again, I think that's going to be, um, I, I know that, that every year, you know, the in-season game that they play is probably one of the most highly, um, contested games, very emotional games. I don't, I don't know how you dial that back up again in a month. You know what I mean? You're, Cause you're, you know, like they say, they're preparing for that game 365 days a year. You know, they don't make any, any bones about that. I don't know how you get back on that horse and, and do it. So that'll be really interesting coming up, but um, just a couple quick notes here, Dino um, for our listeners, just keep sharing the show. We, and we get a lot of a lot of new people that message us and, you know, a lot of great feedback from our, our show with Chad McGee. Uh, so keep sharing the show. We really appreciate it. We're trying to get it out there. And um, unlike some of the other Twitter uh, mongers, we're doing this to educate. Um, you know, we're not trying to make a lot of money doing it. We're, we're putting it out there for people to, to hear our points of view and hear other things that other people's point of view. So make sure you share the show. The second thing is our Oconomowoc location opens in January. And we're getting a lot of a lot of excitement, a lot of feedback. So if you're in that area, you know families, you know athletes in the area, please give them our contact information, www.sportsadvantage.com. Uh, we'd love to start meeting some of the families that our equipment will be in probably middle of December, you know, from Dynamic Fitness. Big shout out to Dynamic Fitness for the work they've done for us. And we're really excited to get that location open and then start working on the next couple. So, yeah. Dino, uh, let's go into the questions here. What do you think of that? Do it. Good with that? Okay. I've uh, got a great question from one of our, our, our friends, uh, Coach uh, Coach Nellis, asking about auxiliaries and how you program, how we program auxiliaries, both choosing exercises as well as the volume. So, Dean, maybe share from your experience, like working in the class, because you do the classroom setting and things like that. And I'll kind of share how we do it at sports advantage. Cause maybe a little different. So people can kind of pick and choose um, the different methodologies. Well, quick shout out, you know, Joel had a great season, Brookfield central. He does a great job. You know, we did a clinic down there, Brian, and we talked to all the coaches at Brookfield central and it's just a bunch of coaches that really care about kids and that are really got the best interest of the kids. And I know they do an incredible job. So quick shout out to not only Joel, you know, in the football staff, but all of the coaches and administration in that building, because they are trying to again, evolve and, and continually to give these kids the best situation. 
when we talk auxiliaries, a lot of times in a classroom setting, we're looking at, you know, how many numbers are we dealing with? Are we dealing with a single class? Are we dealing with a double class? It could be a big difference because right. if you got 60 kids in there, you know, you have to look at your space. You have to look at the equipment that you have. And we want to have a situation that kids are always moving and they're getting the most out of their time. And so if you're putting in an auxiliary lift and, for example, you got one reverse hyper, you better be able to modify that workout so there is not a log jam at one specific exercise. So that is number one. You've got to make sure the workout's going to flow. It's not wasted time. And then you have to look at is, you know, what are you trying to get out of that exercise? I know anytime I put it and put an exercise in a program is I got to know the why. Why am I putting this exercise in this program? Is it something that's going to help their posterior chain? You know, but I always explain to the athletes, hey, this is why we do the exercise. This is what it's going to work. This is how it's going to help you in your sport. And this is how it's going to help as far as injury prevention. And I think you have to, as a strength and conditioning coach, have to explain why you're doing it. And sometimes it might just be, hey, we're going to change things up today. And we're going to make it fun. And kids really enjoy it because let's be honest, you know, being and having fun is going to be crucial for kids to be consistent in that environment. And you're never going to get results unless you're consistent. And I know that's one of your big things at Sports Advantage, consistency. And we have said it numerous times on our podcast, but you have to be there. I don't care what program you are doing. If you're not consistent, you're not going to get good results. And a lot of the strength conditioning coaches and sport coaches, you know, that's their number one challenge, Brian, is they got to get there. Right. You know, your setting, people are going to, they're going to sign up for sessions. And, and parents are going to pay that money because they know the quality instruction and the care and the expertise that they are going to get when they pay that money. In a high school setting, many times, there is a situation where people can kind of slide through the cracks. They can kind of slither around. They can come up with excuses. They can use, hey, we're going to go, you know, somewhere else. I'm going to lift at home with my parents or yeah. I'm going to lift at the YMCA or I got the millions of excuses why they cannot come in before or after school to get that workout in. So look at the exercise. Make sure you explain the why, how it's going to help injury prevention, athletic performance. How is it going to flow in your workout? And is it something that our athletes need? Is looking at injuries, Brian, we're always looking at injuries. Are we getting certain types of knee injuries or shoulder injuries? And what do we need to do and change in that next program to help alleviate some of those things that we're seeing? We have a huge situation right now that there is no off-season for athletes anymore, Brian, as you know. Right. They are constantly... You know, a baseball player is constantly almost in season all year round. A volleyball player, a, a softball, it's just pretty much there's not a lot of downtime right now. So when you're devising and implementing workouts, you got to remember that. If you're an athlete, a coach in a strength conditioning setting and you are crushing those kids in the weight room, you got to remember they might be going to another session. They might be going to another sport session skill session to get better or a practice i mean what athletes tell me nowadays it's very common to be doing three hours of athletic type of movements or training during the day so 
you have to understand, and that was my thing as a strength and conditioning coach when I was young, is, hey, I'm going to put this perfect program together, Brian, and we're going to do this certain exercise. And, and now you have to really look at what is the athlete doing throughout the whole day? Because right. that's not your only workout for the day. Right. And I think we think that. It's not like you're giving a, a lesson in a different content area in an educational setting where, hey, you're going to learn math for you know, one hour, and this is your math lesson. In athletics, they're getting thrown in all different directions. And sometimes there's an open gym before school, and then there's a weight training session, and then they go to a private situation like yourselves, and maybe they're now they're going to work on more specific, maybe mobility or, or some speed work or whatever, and then they're going to do some skill in their sport. I've seen where athletes are actually doing their sport in season, and then they're doing extra in that same sport right. in season. So it's very important to make sure everybody's communicating. You're on the same page and having that dialogue with those athletes, Brian. I, yeah, I, I think all those points are, are huge, right? And I think the one thing, too, as a coach, you know, you can't just jump to the next flavor of the day. Yes. You know, and we talk about this all the time, how, how you have to have foundational things that are built into your program. You, you know, uh, you have to squat, you have to press, you have to pull vertically and horizontally, you have to hinge and you have to have single leg work in there all the time. All of and, and so the, the nice thing with the conjugate method and now with those different areas of movements, it allows you to get very creative with your different auxiliaries. I know from our perspective, every three weeks we switch our auxiliaries. So we do them for three weeks and then we get out of them and then we come back to them, you know, in a couple months because you're still talking about young athletes and they st the, the learning process, you know, is the first area where they're going to get stronger, just learning to do the movement. They're going to get stronger. And so that for us is very important. So how we program is we typically have our main exercise of the day, whether it's our max effort day or our dynamic day, then we have two main auxiliaries that offset that exercise. So it's based off that exercise then is where we program that. And those are a little, you know, a little heavier. So in the, in the three to eight rep range that we'll do our auxiliaries a little bit more volume than the singles that we do. And then we go into what we call our GPP, which is our, you know, for lack of a better term is our circuit. And we have typically five exercises in there where we have a lot of volume for the kids, right? Joint integrity, um, building, you know, work capacity, uh, whether it's sleds, um, you know, single joint exercises that are okay. Everyone out there, single joint exercises are, are okay to do. Um, you don't have to be balancing on a BOSU ball doing a whirly bird to, to get something out of an exercise. So that's really, you know, we typically have somewhere around eight exercises for the day. Um, you know, your max effort or your dynamic exercise. And then, you know, we get into our two main auxiliaries that we rotate based off the main exercise again. And then we get into our auxiliaries and those are a little higher volume. And, and then each week, you know, we either add a set to that kind of that five exercise GPP circuit, or we add repetitions. So that's how we modify it. So they're not always doing, you know, three sets of 20 on a banded tricep extension. Maybe one week they do 20, the next week they do 30, the, the third week they do 40, or we keep them at 20 and we go three sets, four sets, five sets. That's something Big shout out to Nate Harvey, uh, his book, Conjugate You, uh, for all of you out there. So, you know, that's a great book to read. That's a great, he explains progressing um, your auxiliaries. And that's one of the things he talks about with progressing auxiliaries. But again, 
it comes down to Dean making sure the kids can do the exercise and making sure, like you said, you have the time to do the exercise. All the, the great things in the world you can put into your program. If you don't have the equipment or the time, it, it really doesn't matter. And like you said, and this is something that I've learned with our consulting. Everybody's got different stuff in their weight room. You know, one weight room, like you said, has one reverse hyper. We have a, a weight room that we work with that have, I think it's eight or 10 inverse curls, you know, so you can program those exercises in there. And so uh, just take, you know, look at what you have and and go from there. And with auxiliaries, I think the main thing too that that I look at is how are you creating balance in the body? Like you said, if you know what your athletes are doing, you have to balance them out in the weight room. That's what injury prevention is all about. So like with your offensive linemen, if all you do is bench them during the season, well, that's all they do on the field. So you have to do, you know, opposite muscle groups that they're working a lot on the field to make sure that you're keeping them on the field. So that was question one, Dean. All right, question question number two here. I'm going to save uh, my favorite one for last. We're going to finish with a bang here, Dean. Sounds and this, great. I think, is a great question, and this really fits into why you and I really like the conjugate method. Once you hit the postseason, how do you go about re-entering your kids into the weight room into more of an off-season mode? Which is a great question. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to hit on the conjugate real quick. This is why I like the conjugate method, and I want you to share a little bit about what we talked about off-air. Most of these kids, like you said, are in two or three sports. So there's really no off season for them. Even in the summer, there's really no off season. So that's why we like the conjugate method because you're constantly hitting all spectrums of training. You're training over 90%, okay, in your main exercises. You're getting auxiliaries for injury prevention and you're building work capacity all the time. And so if your athletes never stop doing that, like I said, we did, I did a presentation to peer on that. And I talked to the coaches about that. And once you start looking into why that makes sense, I mean, we had a tennis coach, we had a track coach, we had a swimming coach. All of them were like, this really makes a lot of sense. I can see why we do this. So that's why we like the conjugate method. But Dean, you just, uh, you know, you got ring number, what, 24, I think there, or what, what is it, like 13, something like that. So how, I mean, how do you go about doing that? Cause now, you know, you're in a different, you guys are in a different boat, right? You have some teams that finished middle of October now. And so that's a lot, that's a different scenario. Now they got five or six weeks before basketball and wrestling start. How do you guys go about doing it? Well, it's, it's a great question. And we get this a lot, Brian, from lots of coaches, you know, we go to clinics and when we speak and all that, but it's very important uh, to, first of all, you know, every athlete's different. If you go through a long season, some kids, athletes are banged up a little bit more. So first, it's the general health of the athlete. And for some, that might mean just a, being out of the whole weight room for a whole week or, you know, possibly two. But we we always say never more than two weeks, you know, if, if a person, if yeah. you're ready to go. And with the conjugate system, in which I love, is kids are excited to get back in there. And they are ready to rock and roll. And they they, they don't get sore because they're so used to doing what they're doing. And you're working all those different areas. And like you said, and I mentioned before too, is there's no off season for kids anymore. There's no, you're not in a college setting where we're going to do a hypertrophy phase and develop a base because our sport is a spring sport and it's the fall right now. That doesn't happen with us. And when you look at the conjugate, it's so easy to do regressions of an exercise and progressions of an exercise. So now 
as as an educator for those people that teach strength and conditioning classes, you know, in a school setting, it's so easy to be able to adapt to, first of all, people that might be freshmen through seniors. So there's a big time difference between weight room experience and maturity levels and strength levels. And then you have all those different varying degrees of ability levels. You can easily adjust it super simple without doing different programs. So you have one unified program. However, you're still personalizing to certain individuals. One, to make sure that those individuals are safe, they don't get hurt, and for their long-term athletic development, which is very important. You know, everyone wants that gimmick, Brian. We hear it all the time. They want a sports-specific program because they're a soccer player or they're a, they're a track athlete or a volleyball player, a basketball player. You have to do things, whatever you choose to do in your program, you have to do them really well. And I see so many people, and I think this has a lot to do with social media, Brian, is they see all these different types of exercises and, you know, and everybody's trying to sell a product and, you know, gimmicks and, you, you know, thinking, hey, this is the magic exercise. We know from doing this for our lifetimes with over 50 years of experience, there is not one exercise that you have to do. That is the secret. There's no secrets. Right. You have to get really good at the movement patterns that you talk. If you're going to hinge in your weight room, be really good at with the hinge movement. Yeah. If you're going to squat, be really good at the squat. If you're going to press, be really good at the press. Right. Make sure you're packing your shoulders. You're staying tight when you bench press. So yes, baseball athletes and coaches and and people out there that say you can't bench press is bad for you. It could be if you do it wrong, but everything can right. be. You do it anything wrong. could be. Yeah, you're right. Do it That's right. Awesome. Yeah. So be really good at those movement patterns. I don't care if you if you teach Olympic lifts, be really good at it. You know, we choose not to with with our experience, and we give you the why the reason why we don't. But if you're gonna and you're super knowledgeable and you got a ton of help, and you're gonna go ahead and decide to do that exercise because it fits into your program at your specific environment, then do it really well. Right. Area. Do it well. And then make sure that you are around people that do it even better, that have more experience and more expertise. And then they look at your program and they say, yeah, you know what? I would keep doing that because you guys do it really, really well. And that's one thing I look into it. I was big in hand clean, Brian, as you know. Yeah. We had kids hand clean at 365 pounds. And then I would bring other people in here. And when I, when people come into my weight room, whether they're um, somebody that comes through the school, recruiters, you know, just a parents, anything, I want my athletes to be able to execute the exercise with technical perfection. They're always chasing technical perfection. And it's always going to change. Obviously, when the load goes up, the speed of the movement goes up. It's not going to be as good. But I want people to come in and say, wow, they do things really well, yep. regardless of the load that's on the bar, Brian. And that's one thing I see when you're posting videos. I see commonalities of people are squatting parallel and they're squatting the correct way. I don't care if it's a goblet squat, if you guys are doing a cambered squat, if you're doing a safety squat bar, a regular barbell, whatever. 
And that's what I look for. And the best compliments I've ever gotten from people is one, how hard the athletes work. Two, how the athletes are working together. And that's culture, as far as I'm concerned. And then three, and how they're doing the exercise. And then if you really want to get higher end learning is if an individual would come up to an athlete in our weight room, I want them to explain why they're doing the exercise what the exercise is working, and then how it's going to apply to the sports that they play. And then how is it going to help them physically? For example, working the muscles that get stronger and helping them become better athletes. And then how it's affecting them mentally. Because I think that mental piece, and that's why we had Chad on the podcast lately, is that mental piece is so important. We talk about the mental health right now, but I want individuals to come in our weight room and I want them to, that to be the highlight of their day because when they leave our environment, what kind of person they become and continue to be and grow is far more important than winning championships, um, getting college scholarships, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head, Dean. And I think a lot of what we've talked about in both those questions is you got to be able to execute the exercises. And you got to give the kids exercises that they can execute um, correctly at the way you want it to look. And I always tell our kids, like if the parents walk in to our gym and I tell our directors this too, if parents walk into our gym and they notice that it doesn't look right and we're the professionals, well, it must really be bad. Absolutely. You know, so it's got to look, you know, the way it's supposed to look. And, you know, with postseason, like you said, I think a great point you brought up too is like looking at your injuries, looking at, what kind of, you know, what sport they played, what sport they're going into, but athletes and coaches, you have to keep kids moving. You know, you have to keep them engaged and, and things like that. I agree with you, you know, giving them a week off can be great. I think two gets to be too many, right? Now you start to yep. develop some bad habits, <clears throat> whether it's, you know, not getting up at the same time, things like that. So I, I agree. I think the, the week is a great time for anything. You know, there, there, there's times that even like, like we do that, Dean, where you go on vacation for a week, you know, the body needs that, the mind needs that. So I think those are all great points. You know, one thing I've been, had the opportunity to be in lots of different weight rooms, professional weight rooms, a lot of collegiate weight rooms. And, and, and just because it might be a power five school, sometimes I've seen the worst technique yeah, and the worst type of uh, squat and all the technique. And I think you know, as sport coaches out there, you have to be very careful just because, you know, some big school's doing it or they're in this kind of different situation. You got to make sure whatever you choose to do is right for your environment. And right. copying a program, copy and pasting a collegiate program, an NFL program, isn't going to be the best situation. And I always look at it as a parent is – you know, the best prize possession or most important prize possession is our own kids. And so when those kids are in the weight room, I look at risk versus reward. Yeah. And I think that's very important. And everybody's chasing numbers, chasing maxes. We're chasing technical perfection. And that's what we are chasing, making sure that we are doing the exercise correctly. And I see so many bad video posts, social media on this and that. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's pressure if you're a strength coach to impress your sport coach, because I know that is big at the collegiate level. And you could probably hit on that for an hour alone on that, because everybody's looking at numbers, numbers, numbers. 
but I think you got to slow cook stuff. You got to yep. make sure you get really good at the basics. And I think too many people are thinking, wow, they read something out of a book and this exercise is great as far as, you know, power output and all this, but then they're not understanding all the effort that it's going to take to be able to really do that exercise and do it with technical perfection. I think too, where social media can be a, a benefit, Dean, right, is like for us, we share like videos of, of, you know, our athletes doing stuff because we're confident in that they're doing it at a high level. Okay. Yes. I, I don't think I've ever seen, and you probably never, you, you've never seen a perfect lift, right? No. There's always something and you, you know, like when watching like Laura, you know, people who are the best at lifting, Olympic lifters, power lifters, the people that that's your sport, they're constantly tweaking something, you know, this was off, this squeeze this, fire this, um, you know, get your feet in the ground. They're always getting coached on something to make it a little bit better technically. Um, so if you're going to share videos, you know, understand that there's going to be something that someone is going to see that probably might not be as good as it can be. And that's okay. Um, and I think also as you're watching other people's videos, and this is a message to all of our Twitter people out there, don't be the first one just to jump on and tell everybody what's wrong with the exercise. Like, and then underneath put, Hey, if you want help with this, I have this website or something I can sell you. Yes. I mean, I think that's garbage. Absolutely. Um, you know, we should be encouraging people. We should be learning from people. Uh, versus, you know, putting other people in there, you know, putting them in their place because they box squat or because they run flying tens or because they do this, because they do this. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think you and I agree that social media is a great educational tool, but it has to be used with the understanding that if you're watching an exercise in somebody else's gym or weight room or track, that works for them. And you should trust that it works for them and go from there. All right, Dean, that, that kind of leads us into topic number three here and it, it's a it's a topic and a question we actually got from a parent who heard a excuse me a presentation that was shared online and his basic question to me was what do you think about the fact that people say after you can squat 2.7 times your body weight you will start to regress from a athletic performance speed power output standpoint you want to go first or you want me to go first on this one? Brian, I can start. And in yeah. 28 years of, of high school, you know, experience, I think I looked, I saw that. And yeah. obviously, you know, Coach you and I were on the, we were on the phone at 430 in the yeah. morning discussing that stuff. Because obviously, you know, if if you're not assessing, you're guessing. Yeah. And, you know, so everything I've gotten for 28 years is on my computer. It's on my zip drive. And I can tell you the height, weight, and in what people ran and lifted and jumped and everything else. And in 28 years, I, I think I've had two athletes, Brian, in 28 years actually be able to squat 2.7 times their body weight. Right. So, you know, in my population and, and the athletes that I'm working with, I mean, and let's, 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 let's clarify it, Dean, right? That's, that's a parallel squat. That's a true squat where you, the, the lights are white. They're not red lights, right? They're absolutely, you yep. know what I mean? We're not talking quarter squats here, you know, or, or anything like that. We're talking a true squat, a true parallel squat. So, you know, when I look at, at least that, that's what we do. 
Yeah, exactly. And we're <laughs> looking at that. I know there's a lot of bad videos <clears throat> online and our kids come up to me all the time. Hey, did you see so-and-so? I said, hey, don't worry about what other people are doing. You focus on what you're doing. But I said, if you're going to be putting stuff on social media, you make sure that you are putting it and it's a true parallel squat. Right. And that, that's always my rule. I said, if, if you don't, that that's something, obviously when you put something out there, kids are doing it for a reason. They're, they're trying to show some data that, Hey, you know, they put a lot of time in and, and they're coachable and they can do an exercise correctly. So in order to do that, make sure it's valid, make sure it's valid. It's like the old, before the old nice timing systems, people would say, Oh, they run a 4.4. 440 and the, and the athlete actually runs a 4.8540 right. and you right. know they get there and they run at some combine and then they truly get thrown right out right out the window because now their credibility as an athlete probably everything that they're saying that they do is incorrect well and i i would agree dean i just did some quick numbers here so that'd be that would mean a 150 pound kid would have to squat over 405 pounds 175 pound kid would have to squat nearly 500 pounds, about 480. 200 pound kid would have to squat 540. 225 pound kid would have to squat 605. And after 600, I start to look at, there's not a lot of people running around that are doing really good squats at over 600 pounds. So I think what bothers me, Dean, about this is that the message starts to become that strength is not a foundational part of development that there are other things that you should build versus building strength. I'm not going to sit here and, and disagree with a, a, a research study or, or anything that other people have done, but I do know this and I would agree with you. I, and I've trained some of the best to ever play the sport of football. There ain't a lot of them that could do that. You know what I mean? There, there, there's not a lot of guys or females that can squat 2.7 times their body weight that are playing a sport. Now, when you go into powerlifting, obviously, right? That's their sport, right? Their, their, their squat, you know, is their, is their route that they're running, you know, as a receiver or however you want to tag it. Um, and so we're talking true raw squat, Brian, too. We're not true, yeah, no suit. Wraps no and, suit. No you know, wraps. That's, yeah. that's a whole different. Absolutely. So yeah, our, our listeners understand that. Yeah, another good point with that. Um, so I think you have to be, as a coach, careful as to taking something then and spinning it into something that it's not. Um, if you have kids that can squat 2.7 times their body weight, um, I'm going to say, one, they're pretty damn strong. Two, um, I'm not sure how much more they're going to get out of it i mean that that's a that's i mean that's just an impressive number but if you quit trying to get your athletes strong based on the assumption that you can have enough strength um i think you're really going to miss the boat in how you develop your athletes because if a research study says 2.7 times your body weight is strong enough Keep chasing it because at the end of the day, um, good luck in getting, you know, your athletes to it. If you can get 1% of your athletes to that, I think you're doing something that most of us would love to come visit and find out what you're doing. 
because to me that that's an that's an outlier. That's the you know you know the Scott Starks you know the 160 pound kid that can run a four two nine. Uh, by the way, that can squat 2.8 times his body weight. So there is some correlation in there, everybody, as to the stronger kids typically run faster. He also jumped, I think, 42, 43 inches. So they jump higher. Um, strength to body weight ratio matters. So I just really want our coaches to hear this and understand that the message that strength is not important um, is inaccurate. Because you're talking about making a statement based on an outlier. And I think if we base how we train and, and, and form our methodologies around outliers, um, you're, you're going to have a, a real problem winning games and keeping kids healthy. Right, no doubt about that. The other thing is you got to look at, you know, the age of the athlete. There's so many different things that go into all this, you know, the, we're, we're dealing with a lot of different type of athletes, middle school type athletes, high school athletes, you know, how many are really at that elite level? As you know, you're an NFL guy, you know, that, that situation there, and they're ready, freaky and strength wise. Yes, there's probably some things that that sport coach needs to do to keep that person on the field. Right. They've already got enough horsepower. So it's, what does that individual need to best help them out? And again, let's go talk conjugate. Where is the weakness in the athlete? To keep that chain extremely strong so you can keep that athlete healthy. And yeah, I've gotten a situation where, you know, one of those individuals I had was, uh, I would say, addicted to the weight room. Because let's be honest, when they're strong, they want to they keep yep. being strong. So you got you got to keep that confidence up because being strong is what's made that athlete really good because they have so much confidence and that's what we always say is a big competitive advantage in the weight room having that strength knowing that you can dominate because you are strong you got a big engine you are strong and powerful but now you might have to scale a little bit of that back keep taking that strength and running with it but now taking some weakness and trying to make that weakness better. And therefore now that athlete becomes a lot better. And maybe it's hip mobility, right? Maybe it's ankle mobility. Maybe it's some more posterior chain strength because they're so quad dominant. And that's why they can squat so much because ge just genetically they have really big quads and they're very extremely strong. So to keep that individual healthy, we got to make sure that we're working that posterior chain. Correct. Keep that person on the field, the court, the diamond, the track. So I think that is, you know, really one of the things that makes a great strength conditioning coach is assessing that athlete, finding out how can you keep that athlete healthy, and then what weakness do you really need to work and make sure that person can keep making gains. And I think that's the hardest challenge that we have as strength conditioning coaches because a lot of people don't want to work on their weakness. And that's why I think as strength and conditioning coaches, we really need to educate them. And a lot of times, Brian, as you know, it's the nutrition part that they really need to work on. Right. And that's the thing that they don't want to do. They just want to put on a ton of bad calories into their bodies and think that they're going to be able to perform well 
And you clean up that nutrition piece and all of a sudden they become a much better athlete. Well, I think that the other part about this whole topic, Dean, is that, you know, you're running into factions and we see it all the time. Like we've seen it as strength coaches, you know, these different methodologies come and go. Yes. Um, you, you know, there, there's trends. Uh, there's, you know, everybody wants to look at, you know, who won the net, you know, who won the national championship last year, Georgia did well, they do a lot of conditioning. They did a lot of conditioning for the, you know, this and that. So then conditioning was a big thing. And then, you know, you looked at Alabama for the last couple of years and they were doing, you know, this and that and all this data. Now everybody's tracking data and doing all this other stuff. And I, I think, you know, be having a foundational system that builds, you, you can have systems and we do um, at Sports Advantage that work to build absolute strength, dynamic strength um, and speed and power. You don't have to fall into the, you know, sprint group or the strength group, right? You can be in the development group, which is what we're in. You're, we're in the business of developing athletes. And there's a lot of things that go into that and eliminating certain things because, you know, so-and-so said it on Twitter or put up a data point or whatever. I think you, you really are making a mistake of just kind of ping-ponging your program around, right? If I do what this guy says today and then, oh, wait a minute, this guy said this, I got to do this. You know, the other thing you should look at is, is he's trying to sell you something based on, you know, his comments and things like that. So just remember, like, don't develop your program around what the outliers do. You know, you have a, a mass group of kids, whether you're in the high school setting or even in the private setting, you have to get, and it comes back to the things we've been saying the whole podcast, Dean, just get them good at basic stuff. Get your kids good at basic stuff. Make sure they can execute it right. You know, make sure they can do the movements in the weight room, right? Make sure they can do the movements on the track or on the field, right? Because again, we talk to the kids, I don't care how fast you can do something wrong. I don't, fat, I don't care how heavy you can lift if it's not correct. So it comes down to, you know, with all three of these questions, just make sure your kids do stuff right. So anything else? Great at the fundamentals. Yeah. Brian, be great at the fundamentals. Be great at the basics. Make the like main, thing, main thing. No gimmicks. No, no. no fads. Don't be trying to chase the next best thing or don't try to do what JJ Watt's doing or, or Giannis is doing or all, all the best athletes out there because you're not those people. Mm -hmm. And because maybe they are doing that and it's helping them, they are already an outlier if they're a professional athlete. Right. They're an Olympic athlete. They're already an outlier. Our sons, the people that come and train and daughters, you're not there yet. No. So be great at doing the things really well and you, you can progress. And then athletes, you know, find out what works best for you. And that's what Chad said with the mental training. You have to find out what works best for you. Don't do it because, again, a professional athlete does it or I'm a middle school and this varsity athlete does it like that. And I really you know, look at that varsity athlete and look up to them. And I want to be like them, but don't do it because they do it. You have to figure out what works best for you. And parents don't go out there chasing that, you know, this specific exercise, this specific thing is going to work and it's going to make the difference. It's the individual that does the program and does it very well. And if you're going to look at places to have your athletes get trained, 
do they do the basics really well? That's the first thing I look at as a parent. Have they had success? Is Are they learning more than just how to do an exercise, how to do a program? Are they developing the things that are going to set them up to be successful once they leave your environment? Awesome, Dean. Well, those are three great questions. Make sure your kids are doing stuff right, your auxiliaries. All right, take your time, understand, you know, make sure that you got stuff the kids can do. You know, postseason, again, that's another big, big post for the conjugate there, Dean. Um, if the kids are always training heavy and they're always training fast, um, you don't got to make a lot of changes. And we know the kids are doing stuff all year round. So there really isn't a lot of postseason, offseason for kids. It's just transitional, right? Transitional. And then 2.7 times, you know, body weight again, you know, those guys are outliers. Um, so don't base, you know, your whole program foundation of quote unquote strong enough because most kids aren't strong enough and they need to keep getting stronger. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I appreciate all our listeners. Remember to share the show. Uh, please share it. Uh, we've got a lot of cool things coming up, a lot of clinics coming up that we'll be talking about uh, as we move into the next year. And, um, you know, that Oconomowoc facility, Dean, that's going to be pretty cool. Hopefully you can come to the, the grand opening that we have. We'd love to have you and Coach Mang in there um, and a lot of other people. So that's going to wrap it up. Enjoy your week, and we will see you next time. Chop it.